What's good, fam? Today we're going to talk to Angelo underscore fantasy from Twitter. We're going to talk about his fire-ass threads, his film breakdown, his film analysis, his favorite rookie prospects, his favorite prospects in general, who he thinks is going to contribute quickly and from a fantasy football perspective. We're going to talk about the Bears, David Montgomery, Allen Robinson, the whole deal, his Super Bowl picks, how they get there, the final score to the Super Bowl, and a ton of other stuff. This is a jam-packed episode. Thanks for tuning in. Please rate, review, subscribe, rate, review, subscribe, unsubscribe, resubscribe, unsubscribe, resubscribe. Really, though, appreciate it. Hope you enjoy this one. Welcome back to the Injury Prone Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Edwin Porras, Doctor of Physical Therapy at FBInjuryDoc on Twitter. Today we have a man a myth we have a legend on twitter with the threads he is an extremely good follow he's got a good website got a great website and a lot of the stuff that he puts out is extremely interesting Um, there's just down nitty-gritty pure football analysis uh, through film analysis Um, he is at angelo underscore fantasy on twitter he's got site angeloanalysis.com we messed, I messed up the last, the last time we recorded, which was like three weeks ago, maybe, I think. Yeah, uh, like the fi- yeah, the file got messed up that we recorded. It was like an hour and 10 minutes of pure football bliss. I was so excited to put it out and then it didn't upload. So we have Angelo back. How you doing, man? I'm great, man. I thank you again for having me on. Um, I'm, I'm looking forward to this. this. It was fun last time. It's gonna be fun again. <laughs> yeah, I guess you can look at it like that. Like we get to have the conversation <laughs> twice now. Love it. <laughs> So just let's get started then with where what the origin stories are of, of your threads and how that started sure. on Twitter and then sort of where you are now. Yeah, uh, for sure. I mean, for me, uh, last year was the first year I started um, started really putting out um, any content related to fantasy football um, and I guess movement stuff as well. Um, in my day job, I work in um, sport and human performance, so I do a lot of that stuff um, as my day to day and I get to work with different types of athletes, which is an awesome, awesome career and platform to have. Um, but in terms of like my actual origin, um, I'm a former track and field athlete, um, ran in a big 10 school. Uh, I, I got to race some pretty fast dudes back in the day, like Tyree kill and, you know, Marquise Goodwin and, and, and the really, really fast cats. Um, you race those dudes. Yeah. I raced Tyree <laughs> kill. I used to, I raced Tyree kill head to head good when I was, um, in the same meet as him. I guess I didn't technically like race him. Um, head to head, but um, Tyree kills. You beat Hill, no, right? No chance, zero chance. <laughs> no, he, he actually holds the he holds the American record um, for um, fastest two hundred meter dash ever for a high schooler. You were like twenty point one one, and uh, I, I raced Good him. God, I raced him when he was, I think he was eighteen. I was nineteen at the time, um, so I was in my first year of college, and he was just coming out of high school. And he just crushed me. And this is like this is at the um like the the U.S. Junior Trials. Like there's some rollers in that meet, and he dusted all of us. It was, it was he he was he's probably the he's the fastest NFL player of all time, hands down. Like there's not a faster NFL player that I could name. Um, I mean, like Deion Sanders is obviously unbelievably fast. Champ Bailey, Daryl Green, like some of those cats too. But no one touches Tyree Kill in terms of speed. Bro, I remember um, playing Madden when I was like 
14, maybe 13, 14. Sure. And Champ Bailey had like a 99 speed literally every year oh, on that game. <laughs> unfair. I know. I remember Devin Hester had like a hundred. I'm a big Bears fan, obviously. Oh, yeah. yeah. Devin, Devin Hester, Hester had a hundred speed. And that was, the, that was the year they switched him to receiver. Unfair in Madden. I'm a big Madden guy, too. But, um, but yeah, no. Um, in terms of like what, what I do, man, it's, it's just a lot of fun. I, I love engaging with, with the great community that, um, that we have in, in human movement and in fantasy football. So I think it's a really, it's a really great um, platform and spectrum, but, um, but yeah, it's just a lot of fun, man. I mean, I really enjoy diving deep into the intricacies of human movement and how that correlates with success in fantasy football. I mean, that, that's truly, um, I guess like what I do in essence is I try to make those correlations and kind of help people see the harder things to kind of grasp at the surface level and I'm um, kind of pick those apart and um and make them more digestible. Do you ever get any pushback? Do you ever get anybody saying like, oh, I don't think that this is necessarily, you know, I don't think you know what you're talking about or oh, I disagree with that. Uh, because when I look at your stuff, I'm like, man, that's so detailed and intricate. And then there's even so much science applied to it. Do you ever get any pushback? Yeah, I do. I mean, I, I like the pushback because I like feedback. I like, you know, I like when people can create a conversation around anything I put out. It could be a question that I'm asked on Twitter, or it could be, you know, someone um, sending me a message saying, Hey, you know, I noticed this with like Antonio Gibson or something. And, you know, we get, we start a conversation about it. Cause you know, there's really no, there's no right and wrong. Really. There's, it's not so much black and white. There's a ton of gray, gray space and gray area in the world of human movement, human performance. So there's really not a cookie cutter, you know, like one way to do this, but there's so many different ways and such a broad spectrum of analysis that, that occurs within that realm. So for me, I'm just trying to put out what I see um, in my own experience with, with my own eyes as a coach. Um, But I've got, I've gotten a ton of great feedback. I have gotten a ton of good pushback as well. Um, And it's definitely helped me grow and put out, put out more valuable content over the last year or so. So when, what was the first thread that you put out? Do you remember? first thread I put out I think the first one that was like movement oriented was I think why David Montgomery he was the first one of the Y series and I think it was why David Montgomery was the first one how'd that go good I, I, th- I think that was the that was the first one where I really dove really deep into like like what he did well um as a processor um I think that the biggest thing I touched on with that I'm trying to go off the top of my head but I'll have to look this up afterwards to see if I'm right. Um, was you know his level of perceptual cognitive skill, and yeah. um, his ability to perceive <laughs> and it. react um, in different ways, um, you know, and and when on a given down um, was kind of the biggest thing I touched on, um, and how that could transit to the NFL level if he got into a good offensive ecosystem, and he didn't. Obviously, he's in Chicago, um, and. <laughs> the bears were horrific last year offensively. So I think in, in general, I really do like Dave Montgomery as a player, really skilled mover at 220 plus pounds. It's very rare to see his, his level of movement skill. Um, and some of the things from a dexterity standpoint, he's able to pull off um, from like limb dexterity, but you know, it, it, the, I don't know what we should be expecting again. Um, 
in 2020 with that Bears offense and that offensive line. They can only truly take a step forward because, I mean, I think we saw the worst of what that offense would be. I think every piece of that offense takes a step forward this year, whether Foles or Trubisky's under center. Um, but yeah, that was the first thread I did. And it, it was a lot of fun kind of putting that stuff out there because I, th- I thought that was more unique to the space and that wasn't that wasn't as touched on a topic um, in, in terms of how players process information, how they how they read, how they react, and how they manipulate defenders. Yeah, you do an extremely good job of it. And I remember when I came across it, I was legitimately so excited to come across your page because I was like, oh, this dude's putting out stuff that that like I, is he a PT like because I, I think you said that one of I think it might have been that thread or another thread got like PT Twitter like also involved and like was yeah. looking at your looking at it like commenting because you have you applied so much movement science like you were saying um, is that the same thread I don't remember I, I might be I mean there there was one of the early ones that that got a a, a great um, I guess a great following from um, from like I guess my I guess my career industry if that makes sense I mean people who are involved in human performance yeah, and I guess right. yours as well and physical therapy um, I think it kind of got that was the first one if, if that's the one that we're correct on was the first one that got kind of both of those worlds like kind of united and like excited about oh, okay like you can apply this to to fantasy football which is just a game but you can also learn more about the, the intricacies of American football in general, which, which was really fun to kind of see that kind of metastasize and, um, and grow in that capacity. It was great. Yeah, that's so, that's, that was really badass. I remember that, that thread specifically. You mentioned, though, the Bears. And I remember when, um, when I started writing the script and we recorded the first time, you had a really good take on David Montgomery and you gave your thoughts on on the Bears offense in general. And then you also broke news that uh, Nick Bowles is going to be the starter all 16 games. So <laughs> you want to do that again? Go ahead. Just go ahead and talk about that. Sure. Um, I, you know, when we're talking about Nick Foles versus Mitch Trubisky, the one thing I'll say, the more physically talented players, obviously Mitch Trubisky. You know, he has the physical talent to be a very, very good NFL quarterback. But it's just scheme familiarity his processing capabilities and seeing things fast enough to react accordingly. That's the stuff that he hasn't grown into yet, in my opinion. Um, and if he's going to take that next step in his career, whether it's in Chicago or that's not, that's stuff he's going to have to clean up. Cause the physical tools are there. We've we, in the Washington game, there's a throw he makes a Taylor Gabriel that not many quarterbacks can truly make in the NFL. And I mean that like th- there's some throws he makes that you're like, that are jaw dropping. Like, wow. Like, how is this guy, how can he not do this consistently? And I think it's the consistency that we're trying to, um, we're trying to look at with Trubisky. And I think that's what Foles kind of gives the Bears is, the Bears have, a, in my opinion, a top four defense in the NFL. Um, Nick Foles gives them that consistency on offense to just have a middle of the pack unit. That's all they need to have. The Bears last year were bottom four offense. And we're talking about a bottom four offensive line, bottom four quarterback play. The only real weapon on that offense last year was Allen Robinson II. Um, but, you know, in terms of their running game, we talked about that last time. I think if the offensive line's going to have to take another step up for the, for the run game to improve. I mean, we saw it a lot last year with Dave Montgomery. Being a rookie, um, we saw early in the year, you know, a lot of mistakes, a lot of varying mistakes, which means, he, you know, Hole would be up open, let's say, running outside zone. Hole would be open, cut, up, cut back lane, and he would just veer outside towards the boundary. He did that a lot in college at Iowa State. But as the season went on, you saw him calm down. 
um, and you saw him process things a little quicker, able to make those make those easy reads um, and get to where he needs to go. I mean, he 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 didn't have a bad season statistically. You know, over you know, I think he had about eleven hundred total yards. Um, I think seven plus, I think seven or so touchdowns. But I think we're looking at that next step from him if he's going to keep that job in Chicago. And I think that's what we're really looking at here is in Dynasty, you know, he's going to be a guy that's interesting to be on people's radars because if he keeps that job in Chicago, it most likely or may likely be a three-down workload um, starting in 2021 with Tariq Cohen being a free agent and his inefficiency as well. If we're talking about inefficient play, you know, Tariq Cohen was the poster child for that in twenty um, in twenty nineteen? Um, he had probably the one the least efficient one of the least efficient seasons of all time from a running back in terms of receiving and running. Um, but we don't know if you know if, if Dave Montgomery is going to be keeping that job. But the one thing I'll say is, um, backs who can pass protect are running backs who are mainstays in the NFL. And Dave Montgomery graded out top three in pass protection in the whole NFL, not just. Not just for rookies. Sheesh. And that's a big, you know, that that's a, you know, that's a gold star. You know? Right. Mean, if you can protect the passer um, in the NFL, that's a main reason to keep you on the field. And then if you grow your other capabilities along with that, with your experience, then you can see some potential fantasy success and, you know, consistent RB2 type seasons, which is what I think we could see if he does keep that job and performs well this year which I hope he does because that means the Bears offense is taking that next step and we have a shot <laughs> We have a shot in the playoffs. Um, but, yeah, man, I, th- I think in, in general. Playoffs? Yeah. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> I, I, man, I was at the game. I was, I was at the double doink game. That was the worst. I've oh, ever man. As a sports fan. I, I, I was speechless for like the, like 12 hours after that. <laughs> uh, what was that drive home like? It, it was – we my, – my buddies and I went because this is um, – Right after I got engaged, we went like you know, I was in, you know, the engagement party thing, mm-hmm. um, and it was terrible. Like we were walking home in just dead silence, like just n- no one talked. Man, but it was, I know it was that awful. feeling. Hopefully, we don't get to experience that again. And that <laughs> offense, <laughs> and that offense does take that next step with Montgomery and um, the other weapons on that offense. So you mentioned the pass, the pass protection stuff for David Montgomery. Yeah. An interesting thing about that too, from a fantasy perspective, is that Scott Barrett from Fantasy Points, um, he actually, we were talking on on his podcast, and he said something along the lines of, "Strangely enough, opportunity doesn't correlate best with fantasy points. Carries and and touches don't correlate best with fantasy points." Oddly enough, snap percentages, if I interpreted what he said correctly, snap percentages are what correlates the like the tight the tightest. Yeah. with with fantasy points specifically which is like you wouldn't necessarily think that um but i mean nevertheless the fact that you're saying that you know david montgomery's at least gonna be on the field to pass protect you know that obviously can translate into fantasy points so from a fantasy perspective you're you're you've got me sort of a little more interested in him this year especially considering that um let's see who i lost the tweet it's dr dr risher right so oh, yeah, i know yeah, rish yeah. yeah he tweeted out that um, basically David Montgomery, he's at Dr. Risher on Twitter. If you guys want to go give him a follow, he tweeted out that, that David Montgomery lost 4, 4% body fat. Um, I'm not doubting, you know, Rish or anything like that, but have you heard anything? Is that, is that true from what you hear and reports and stuff like that? 
one thing I'll say is I, I, I trust Rich a lot. I think he does a lot of really, really good things. And him and I have had, him and I have had a couple conversations about um, surrounding that. But, I, you know, he's like he might be spot on and I wouldn't be surprised. Um, you know, I think from all accounts that I've heard, you know, from beat writers, what I've looked at in interviews with Dave Montgomery is, is the kid at his, you know, he has a really good head on his shoulders. And that means a lot when you're coming into the NFL and it shows a ton on the field when you rank top three in pass protection as a rookie like that, that's hard to do. You know, that's a really interesting accolade for a rookie running back. Um, and his ability to stay on the field for all three downs is going to dictate his fantasy success. And you're absolutely right. It is going to be snap percentage. If three cone gets a hundred targets, you know, Dave Montgomery is going to be anywhere from RB 18 to RB 24. You know, he might be a back end RB two volume based, you know, touchdown dependent but he's also a very good pass catcher but if he can stay in the field for three downs i mean we're looking at some significant fantasy relevance um but yeah that's a really interesting point i mean i did see i did see rich's tweet um but yeah i mean if if he did if he's taking that really seriously that's a great sign for for his uh, sophomore season what do you see as a coach as a as a i don't say trainer but like basically just somebody who's entrenched in the sports science and, and sports application side of things uh, with athletes. What do you think of an improvement, you know, sticking with David Montgomery, how much do you, how much weight do you put into, okay, this person lost this much body fat. Um, and it, it, it might, you know, just basic physics principles, it might increase straight line speed, but will that increase velocity? You know, will that increase agility, change of direction? How much, have, how much do you see in your experience that, you know, just basically trimming down, um, will help maybe maybe not necessarily a running back specifically, but you know maybe maybe we do want to talk about running back specifically. But obviously sprinters need to have a yeah. a, a very fluid change of direction. Um, but you know when it comes to running backs, they need to be able to change on a dime. So what do you think about that? Uh, I you know I, the best quote I've ever heard from that is fat fat don't fly. And that makes me laugh every time I think about it. But you know like it's true. Like like the the west the less mass you carry. Um, the easier it is for your muscles, you know, to contract and, and relax. But I mean, I, I th- but it's the power of that contraction that, that has to be maintained. And that's what you don't really know is the power of that contraction maintained, um, eccentrically, um, how is the muscle operating? There's that, there's so much stuff like we, we don't know surrounding that, but all, all we can kind of get a glimpse of, you know, when we see like guys like Le'Veon Bell who are who I, I think changed his physique fairly significantly from his rookie year to sophomore campaign um, is that they're taking it seriously. That's what really, and a lot of athletes, mm-hmm. elite level athletes, you know, contrary to popular belief, don't take their platform in the NFL seriously enough. And that's the one thing we can get out of it is he's taking it seriously and his coaching staff, Matt Nagy um, and the rest of that staff, can see that and that's a big deal um and it matters what you're saying that that matters more the physical qualities that you're going to be improving are going to be a smaller percentage i agree Um, i tend to agree completely Yeah, it's not going to be you know for an nfl level athlete this is the one percent of the one percent of athletes in the world especially when you correlate their height and weight you know dave montgomery is 510 222 pounds running over 20 miles an hour on the field to play with helmet and shoulder pads. Not slow at all. 
but he's not considered fast by NFL standards, which is the crazy part. So how much can he improve those qualities at max velocity and during early acceleration? They can be enhanced, but we're talking about an athlete who is, you know, very well trained. Um, but I think the one thing we can see is the degradation of those qualities on the field of play through four quarters can be improved with consistency, if that makes sense. It's, it's the improving the top end will improve the bottom half, but improving the mechanical qualities within that is, you know, is the qualities are in acceleration and how he gets from lateral to linear. That's the type of stuff that will improve when fatigue sets in during a game. And that is extremely important. Yeah, sorry. I lost you for a second there because um, I knocked my headphones out. But then I, I plugged it back in and I was like, oh, yeah, he's still talking. Cool. Um, sorry about that. So anyway, um, yes, David Montgomery. Essentially, you're, what we're saying here is because of because of the coaching staff knowing that he's taking it seriously, because he's got, like you said, a good head on his shoulders, because all of these extraneous factors that sort of sort of show that he's, you know, he's, I mean, for lack of a better phrase, he gives a shit, right? That's what's going to matter to the coaching staff. And that's what's going to matter in general for him to improve as a player. And if he can get on the field, which is half the battle when it comes to fantasy football, more than half the battle, then he's going to have an opportunity to finish probably higher than his ADP. I'd have to look at where his ADP is. But um, the more we talk about David Montgomery, honestly, I've warmed on him. I've warmed on him. And the, I think it honestly started with our first conversation about him um, and our first <laughs> first time we tried to record when you started talking about him. And then I, I and that's exactly what I thought when I saw that he had lost all that body fat was, oh, well, you know, at the very least, we know he gives a shit. And somebody DM me and was like, hey, do you think this is going to you know, help him be better, basically? And I was like, well, theoretically, you know, basically exactly what you just said, theoretically, straight line speed, sure. But, you know, a lot of other things go into that. And I think you just did did a great job explaining that. The last time that we we talked about the Bears, too, you, you also mentioned how good Allen Robinson is yeah. and how he just needs somebody to throw him the ball. Man, the poor guy's been in freaking wide, like wide receiver purgatory for the last, you know, his entire career Excellent. when he started yeah. with portals. What do you what, what do you think about um, Allen Robinson? Do you remember when he came out, what he looked like and sort of uh, what you see him, how you see him performing this year? Oh man, I think the biggest thing you look at Allen Robinson is 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 the in air body control. I mean, that's the thing that for me makes him. I, I think he's an elite wide receiver in the NFL. I think that he's in he's in that upper tier of receivers, and you know his trademark is his body control, and that's the and that's the crazy thing his his ability to be able to adjust to underthrown balls, overthrows, you know, back shoulder to be able to contort in the air, you know, and you know, and, and land in bounds. Like that's the type of stuff with Allen Robinson that I'm, I watch it every Sunday. And there's a play against the Oakland Raiders when they're playing in London. Well, the then Oakland Raiders, now Las Vegas. Um, and, you know, it was, I think Chase Daniel was actually playing quarterback because Trubisky was hurt. And it was a throw. They're backed up. And he probably, he made one of the best catches I've ever, ever seen a receiver make if you have like nfl game pass or can go watch the raiders bears highlights watch that watch that throw and catch and your your jaw's in a drop and that's just Allen robinson to a t i think there's very few receivers that can truly do what he does with what he has and i think that's the biggest thing is he hasn't had much in terms of quarterback support over his career 
Um, and it's funny because even if Nick Foles wins the job, the best quarterback he's ever had is Nick Foles, which is, not, you know, it's not saying. Not that, saying a lot. Right? <laughs> so, not know, inspiring. No, but I think he's a guy that I'm targeting in every single draft because it's very rare an elite player like that can get better and has that ADP where it's, you know, he's, he's, you're right. He's stuck in wide receiver purgatory and his AB ADP kind of, kind of looks at, you know, that's what it looks like too. It's, you know, he's, he's with guys in that similar tier where they're not in the same realm of talent that Robinson is. Um, but we're waiting on if, you know, if, if he does get full as quarterback, I think we do see a jump in consistency this year from Robinson. Um, but I, man, the guy just excites me. Um, like he, he's a phenomenal athlete. He's a phenomenal player. Um, and I hope he's a Chicago bear for years to come. Cause the bears fan, that's a guy you, that's a guy who doesn't come around often. You truly, you can't afford to lose a guy like that. Did he sign a big boy deal yet? He didn't sign a big boy deal. He deserves yet. it. He definitely. Maybe, definitely maybe, deserves. maybe step below like a Tyreek Hill, Michael Thomas type, maybe like a half, half of a tier below that. But I, I still think he deserves big money. Oh, I think he deserves, I, I think he deserves, you know, upper tier wide receiver money. I think he's a guy that if you bring, like, let's say next year, dream scenario, Bears draft Trey Lance. Okay. Great idea. If they drafted Trey Lance, you want to pair Trey Lance or whoever you bring in next year at quarterback with an elite wide receiver. That makes a rookie quarterback job so much easier. And I think that's, that's what they want to do as a front office is keep Allen Robinson there and you know they're gonna have to pay him and I think they do and I hope they do because as a Bears fan um, and someone who's watched that franchise you know for a better part of the past decade they're gonna need some consistency on offense and without him they don't really have much yeah that's um that's really the Bears problem and and what I mean, what's going on there? I think that it might start with Trubisky. I know we're talking a lot of Bears here. We'll get to some other stuff in a, in a bit, but I mean, I, I like talking to fans of teams that are that are a knowledgeable and b reasonable because <laughs> I feel like you're pretty reasonable about the Bears. Yeah. Um, what? Where do you think like the core problem? I mean, we've talked about how the offense is a problem. We talked about how Trubisky is you know hasn't panned out yet. Uh, we talk about you know Montgomery quite hasn't panned out yet. But when we had, I remember the first, Matt Nagy's first game, I think it was against the Packers, right? That classic Thursday night football game, I think 2018 or whatever it was. And didn't they put up like a ton of points and everybody was was just, oh yeah, it's the you know, Andy Reid coaching tree. They put up a ton of points and then they haven't really done that since then. What do you think the core issues are there that, that they could start with? Maybe some low-hanging fruit for the Bears in general. I, th- I think the biggest thing, you know, and you, you hear it in their press conference when they talk about, is there an offensive identity? Um, they try to, they've, what I've seen and, you know, I, I'm not Matt Nagy, I'm not an offensive coordinator, you know, but from what I've seen, it, it's the offensive identity that needs, needs retooling. And I think it will, I think we're going to see a lot more 12 personnel this year from the bears. I think them running with them running with a fullback was much more successful than them, you know, trying to be a Sean McVay style offense running 11 most of the time. Because I think it makes it easier for Trubisky to make a make reads. I think the run pass option with Trubisky doesn't work extremely well. You know, it, it basically lost them a game versus the Rams this year. Um, 
when he made the wrong read and didn't pitch. Um, but or did pitch, I believe. But I think it's one of those things where they're trying to find their offensive identity. They they want to use a fullback um, more in that offense because they need to keep the defense off the field, and that's a big part of it. They they've had way too they went way too many three and outs. Um, and with that defense being being so elite, like their top four defense, you know, Khalil Mack, Eddie Jackson, Akeem Hicks, you know, like Kyle Foley, you have some you have some absolute studs defensively, um, upper class players and defensive side of the ball, but you gotta keep those guys fresh, right? I mean that that's the nucleus of the Bears, is their defense. Um and the problem was last year they would their offense would come off the field, you know, three and out, you know. And it, it would be, it wouldn't be a three and out where the, you know, you'd, you'd have two runs and a, you know, <laughs> two runs and a pass, not John Fox style. It'd be, you know, incomplete, incomplete seven yards punt. And it's like, you, you can't, you have, they have to do a much better job of managing the clock and actually giving their defense a viable, a viable period of rest. Um, so they can go out there and perform. Yeah, the old the old run run pass punt. Old, old John old John Fox. <laughs> That's funny. No, yeah, there are, there are a lot of things that the Bears can address, and I I also wonder what how much of this is, um, you know, you say they need to find their offensive identity. I wonder how much of this is a head coach finding you know his identity, and how much is maybe part of it is like square peg round hole, um, trying to run an offense that might not be ideal because they need to keep the defense off the field. And yeah, man, it sounds like they're, honestly, they're a franchise that it seems like they're one move or one change or one, you know, coordinator away from really legitimately being a contender because all the talent's there. Yeah, for sure. I I, I agree. I, I think it's, you know, I, I like Matt Nagy. I like the call trees kind of, like the call trees built in Chicago. I think that's a big, big deal. Um, players want to play for him. Um, but I think they need a significant change in offensive identity, um, and at quarterback to have a to have a chance this year in twenty twenty and and um, the near future. So moving away from the Bears, then because that was that was a lot of Bears talk. That was really good. Um, what we talked about Brandon Ayuk too last time. Yeah. I know we're really switching gears here. Tell me why Brandon Ayuk. I love the prospects of Brandon Ayuk coming in and being a top rookie receiver, especially with Debo Samuel potentially being away for the first, you know, four, four or five games or so. I mean, there's a good chance that Debo Samuel misses the first quarter of the season. Um, and Ayuk's an interesting player because, as I've talked about before, um, is he has an extremely high ceiling um, because of his movement qualities, what he can do um, out of his breaks. And that's the most important part is, you know, you know his ability to – to go from decelerative qualities to accelerative qualities is, is extremely strong. And I think to be a really good route runner in the NFL, you need to have that. And it, he, he's extremely explosive out of his breaks. He's great with the ball in his hands. Um, he's a, he can play above the rim. He has, a, I think he has like a wing stand of like a little bit longer than Calvin Johnson. It's just crazy at his height. Same. Um, and you know, he ran the 40 with the sports hernia. So I, I, that's one of the reasons why I don't pick 40 times into account, but his play speed's exceptional. I mean, I, I think at the least you're getting a special teams ace. Who's going to be a top tier punter in the NFL, because that's what he, I think he will definitely be. 
um, if he gets that opportunity. But I, I think also he has a chance of being an extremely interesting wide receiver prospect and someone that Shannon can move around the offense and, you know, you can play the Z, play the X. Uh, you can you know, use him on bubble screens. You can, you know, you can, you can use him down the field. Um, I think he has the opportunity to be a, a true three level threat at receiver in the NFL. Who was your favorite wide receiver prospect this year? CD lamb. That was my favorite receiver prospect. CD lamb. Big fan. You said you would. Re- so, okay. Let, let's back up because you reported that Nick Foles would be the starter all 16 weeks. And then you also <laughs> reported uh, CD lamb golden jacket 20. What was it? 2029 maybe. <laughs> Oh man, um, I, I it's funny because I do have like there are certain guys in each classroom like this guy could be a, a Hall of Fame, have a Hall of Fame caliber career, and in this class, C.D. Lamb was actually one of those guys. Um, see, Jonathan Taylor was um, was one as well, but also the one thing that's funny about Taylor is if you look at how like how the Colt, Colt drafted him, they took Pittman first in the second round then waited to get Jonathan Taylor. So like, that's the thing. Like I look at more so like, well, how the NFL views these guys. That's a big deal. Cause you know, NFL executives get paid millions of dollars to make these decisions, right? If I'm getting paid millions of dollars to make a decision, I'm making darn sure it's the right one. So like, I always, I'm a big, like, why, like why they do this. My two biggest questions coming out of draft feedback were why didn't the Colts, take Jonathan Taylor first over Michael Pittman, right? Yeah. Two, why did Denzel Mims fall to wide receiver 16? I think it <sighs> That's a big one. I mean, if you think about Mims, the, it, it's crazy because the guy had an unbelievably good senior bowl, was winning all the one-on-ones, hype was high, goes to the combine, blows up the combine with athletic measurables, seemingly going to be a mid-first-round pick, you know, he was projected at one point to be in the early 20s, late teens. And then he falls to the mid-second, mid-late second round at wide receiver 16 off the board. Like, why? Like, why did that happen? Like, that's the crazy part. You know, I mean, these guys get paid millions of dollars to make these decisions. But, like, the whole, like, community, especially on Mims, like, even I was like, like, I'm not a big, big Mims fan. I wasn't when he was coming out, but I'm like, you know, the kid's hype is like, like through the roof. Yeah. Like he backed up senior bowl, senior bowl combine and he's wide receiver 16. So that's the stuff that like, for me, it's that stuff I really look at. Um, but you know, for, for lamb, when, we, when I was saying he, I, I like him the best in, the, in that class is he, he has all the qualities you're really looking for in an elite wide receiver in the NFL. Gary with the ball in his hands, um, nuanced route runner, extremely competitive and aggressive my ball mentality when the ball's in the air. And those three things are really the makeup of the guys like Julio Jones, DeAndre Hopkins, the upper echelon of receivers, Allen Robinson, even Tyreek Hill when you're talking about my ball mentality. Tyreek Hill plays the ball exceptionally when the ball's in the air. But – I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I'm a big Lamb fan. I like a lot of receivers in this class too, for different reasons. I think that's the fun part about this class is there are a lot of receivers that do a lot of different things well and have like a different skill set they can kind of hang their hat on. Um, but yeah, I think the most well-rounded of that bunch was CD Lamb, and I, I'm I'm extremely excited to see what he does with Dak Prescott and the Cowboys. Can you give me starting from number five 
your your top five receivers from this class? Uh, from five down? Um, yep. ooh. I would say five. Like my, uh, my fifth would probably be uh, – I would probably say – Oh man, Chenault. I'm a big Chenault guy. I'm gonna say number in no, five. In, in, I'm gonna say in no order. My five favorite receivers in this class in no order. Oh man, come on! No, you gotta make it in order. And no, I, I'll we'll order it. Lamb. Okay. Love CD Lamb. We'll go. We'll go one to five. We'll go one to five. We'll go. Okay. Five. Okay. Lamb. Lamb. Judy. Big Judy fan. <laughs> Lamb. Judy. Uh, Rager. And then after that, it's like a giant, a giant clump where we have guys like, you know, Pittman, we have guys like Chanel, you know, we have a lot of guys, you know, we have Henry Ruggs drafted in the first round, like for a really good reason. And so that's the tough part is there's a lot of guys in that, in that realm. Um, But I think my top three, like no matter, you know, like clear cut top three is is going to be, you know, Lamb, Judy, um, and Rager. I think for me, those are my three favorite receivers in this class. But then after that, you know, it, it's pretty, it gets pretty, um, it gets pretty crowded. You know, I think there's a lot of receivers. Like Justin Jefferson's up there too. I think I'd put, I'd definitely put Justin Jefferson in my top five. Um, but that's, that's the fun part about this class is we have a lot of those guys Um kind of clumped together in that tier i mean for me it's it's gonna be you know lamb and judy talent wise and top i like jefferson a ton um but after that it's it's really tough you know you you have your guys like rugs you have your guys like Pittman. you have your guys like chanel Ayuk, edwards even um and all those guys are pretty clumped together and i think you really can't go wrong with having any of those guys in your rookie drafts um, Denzel Mims is also really interesting when I think he's kind of fallen with his obviously with his stock fall in the NFL draft um, but he's an interesting one as well but there's a, so many so many intriguing receiver prospects this year um, but I do like I think the two biggest bargains I think that's a question that you know I'm asked a good amount in terms of where the bargains at in the rookie draft I think Edwards and Chenault are your two big bargains in terms of ceiling floor um, I think they have such a high ceiling, pretty low floor, but the ceiling is the roof, right? You know, and, and that's the, <laughs> and and that and that's what you're really looking for when you're hitting on that. What for? So for can I can we safely assume that from a fantasy perspective, um, the three that your top three that you mentioned are also your maybe top three in terms of fantasy for 2020 or no? Uh, no, actually, in like so, I would say like I would say my second, honestly, for fantasy would probably be Jalen Rager. Um, I love his situation in Philadelphia. Um, I think with Goodwin not, with Goodwin opting out, it gives him an, another opportunity to be the number one sooner rather than later. And I think he's a, honestly, Rager's a dark horse for rookie of the year. Look at what Carson Wentz is working with down the stretch last year. His two biggest weapons at one point were Boston Scott in Greg Ward Jr., if we're not kind of tight ends. Like, like that's unbelievable. I mean, we're going to get Jalen Rager, and he, he and he's a really interesting player because he's going to have to develop a little bit. 
but he has all the physical qualities you can really ask for in a, in a Terry McLaurin type of player. Yeah. Um, and that's the type, I mean, he can, he can win at all three levels, you know, he's going to have to, you know, develop some more technical nuance, that type of stuff. But him and Justin Jefferson, I think have a better, I think if we're talking about production year one, I'm going to go Lamb, Rager, Jefferson, then Judy, and then we get the clump of Edward Chenault and, and um, Ruggs and those guys and Pittman and, and Mims. But, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I'm a big, big fan of, of Rager and, and Jefferson to produce a little bit in year one, I think, you know, with the Vikings, obviously, you know, new, new a little bit of an offensive identity change. Um, but I think after Thielen, targets are up for grabs. And I think Jefferson's ability to win from the slot and win away from the slot, too, um, is going to pay dividends. But he he makes his money in the red zone, which, which could be a big, big deal um, for year one production fantasy-wise. Awesome, man. You've just been – this has been fun again. <laughs> this has been fun listening to you talk about this stuff again. Um, so there, the wide receiver class was obviously stacked. Um, there are quite a few different – there are so many different situations um, with this wide receiver class, like landing spots that do make you analyze it from a perspective of will they be successful in 2020 um, and from an NFL perspective, from a fantasy perspective, you know, or will they be more successful down the road? Um, are they going to be, you know, more of a, of a, of a contributor down in, in the future? So it's so difficult analyzing wide receivers, which is why I think you do such a good job of talking about it because you just don't know, right? Rookie wide receivers are like, the most inconsistent up and down position, you know, skill position. And it's not, not, not knocking them or anything like that. They have to learn an entire playbook with an entire new system, route trees, even like to a certain extent, some, some, some different concepts that they may not have been asked to do in college. And so they're so up and down. So I think you've done a really good job of talking about landing spot, talking about where, you know, where each receiver, uh, what their situation is and, and how they might contribute. So that's really good. And, and, I think that um, I asked you this last time, right? So, so some some noise has happened, and that's and I intentionally call it noise. We've heard some noise from the Tampa Bay backfield, right, about you know Ronald Jones' calves and how they're huge and how <laughs> he's going to dominate the world with his calves. Uh, he's running for for president because of his calves. But on the script, I have why Keyshawn Vaughn. So, has any of your have any of your thoughts changed ever since you know you basically heard a lot of noise coming out of Tampa Bay? I mean, I've always kind of been in the camp that Ronald Jones, even coming out, very, very, very intriguing physical talent, right? And I think, you know, he came out of school young. He was only 20 when he came out of school um, or 21. But, you know, for me, it's, I think he's going to get the first crack to start. And I think his, I guess, discrepancies – early on in his career came from pass protection mostly um, an inconsistency as a pass catcher, but it, it looks like he has the vote of confidence from that coaching staff and Tom Brady, which is huge protecting Tom Brady. Like I said, last time is different than protecting Jameis Winston. So <laughs> if, if he protects Tom Brady, we're looking at a potential back end RB one this year. And I think with them bringing in McCoy, it muddies the wires a little bit, but I think that was brought in not that he was brought in McCoy was brought in as a as a mentorship piece to help Va- to help Jones and Vaughn being a rookie help them grow as players. So I think both have growth to do. I think 
Vaughn's a, you know, he's kind of that, you know what you're getting guy, right? Nothing flashy, does nothing exceptionally well. Right. But I think he's a consistent option if they need to go there. Um, I think his stock has obviously dropped dramatically um, since the signing of McCoy. But I think Ronald Jones is going to be a bargain this year because I think he is going to get the first crack at you know being the RB1 of that team. And that's a team that has a pretty interesting offense now with Tom Brady and, and those weapons on the outside and, you know, Evans and Gawin and <laughs> – Gronkowski um but you know I'm a, I'm a I've always been a fan of the physical talent of Ronald Jones but it was always a question of me is can he match the physical talent with the necessary processing capabilities um to be a really good NFL running back and he improved a lot from his rookie to sophomore season obviously he didn't play much because of the hamstring tear his rookie season but if he takes that next step he could be an absolute bargain this year in drafts I, I agree completely. And and sort of goes with like what we said about uh, Montgomery earlier with when it comes to Ronald Jones specifically, um, that it's not so much that you hear that his calves are huge, right? It's not so much that you care um, about, you know, the extrinsics that, oh, you know, he's gained however much weight since, since uh, last year, last season or whatever the case may be. It's just, you know, you're hearing that he, he gives a shit, right? And maybe some of that came with, oh shit, Tom Brady's coming here. Like, Maybe I should, you know, button up a little, a, a little tighter here. Maybe I should tighten the ship up. And so it's good to to see that he's at least taking it seriously. But that doesn't take away from the talent that that Vaughn has. And Vaughn's going to be one of those guys that I think is going to force his way onto the field. Um, I don't think he's necessarily, like you said, um, I don't think that he's he's anything flashy necessarily. But it is, you know, it's an interesting dynamic. But yeah, I think that Jones could be a really, really good. Um, I think he's more of a legitimate sleeper because. He is going to get that first crack, like you said. So I think that's that's really good. Before we ask your Super Bowl pick, I want to know, we, we did wide receivers, right? You did your top three favorite wide receivers for your prospects. Who are your top five prospects, just top five all positions? All positions. Um, Burrell's number one. Uh, I think if we're talking like super flex type, um, He's pretty good in uh, pretty good in, in college, right? That that Joe Burrow guy. Yeah, yeah. Joe Burrow guy wasn't bad. As, he as threw bad a few year. pass uh, touchdown passes. Threw threw a, threw a little bit. Threw a little bit. He threw a few. Threw a few touchdowns. But for me, man, I mean, I think it's Burrow, um, Taylor and Hilaire are kind of together for me. Um, and then I have Lamb, Tua, and this is going to be an interesting one, but but Dobbins. Ooh, I'm a, talk to me about Dobbins then, because I, I like that one. Talk to me about Dobbins. I think what we're going to see, and here goes this, Lamar Jackson's a chance of signing the richest quarterback contract of all time, right? Like, he has a chance to, you know, along with Patrick Mahomes, obviously, with his massive mm-hmm, deal, mm-hmm. one of the richest quarterback contracts of all time is what we're going to get long-term from Lamar Jackson. Because of what he brings to the table, Trent, there, there, there hasn't been a more well put together talent than Jackson, not named Mahomes in this decade. Especially then, if he, if they increase that passing volume even by like ten percent this year, I, I agree. Uh, I yeah, exactly. And so, but it's going to be a interesting, interesting thing to look at because they're going to want who they're going to want to decrease Lamar's rushing volume a little bit. 
just so they can kind of sustain that longevity. And with Lamar's growth as a passer, it makes more sense to bring in a guy like Dobbins, who has the versatility of both a runner and receiver. And the thing that I love about Dobbins is the scheme familiarity part of it. You know, he may have that backfield all to himself in 2021, and that comes with elite that comes with elite, elite production. If we're talking about what he can do in a Lamar Jackson-led offense that might be top four in points per game. And remember how successful Dobbins was last year with Justin Fields in a similar fashion with that type of scheme, a lot of RPOs, a lot of zone reads. You know, I, I, I'm a big, big fan of Dobbins as a talent, but I'm an even bigger fan of that landing spot. I mean, that's, Oh, man, I love that. I, I, I think him, like him, Jonathan Taylor and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire all have absolute smash landing spots um, in terms of the potential for elite production down the road. Um, it's going to be interesting because, you know, Dobbins' ceiling as a pass catcher um, is interesting. It's kind of murky because, you know, we looked at Baltimore last year. They last they ranked dead last in targets to running backs last year. Dead last. And that's crazy with, like, the amount of receiving touchdowns that, you know, Mark Ingram had. Um, but Dobbins is undoubtedly the, the most talented runner on that depth chart. And we should see him get a larger share of opportunity the closer we get to 2021. And if he has that backfield all to himself, like I said, that comes with the potential for elite production, both in fantasy um, and statistically when we look at Pro Bowl caliber players. I like that a lot, especially when it comes to the landing spot, because you mentioned how it's a it's a good it's a good landing spot. <clears throat> excuse me, specifically. I, I like it because when it comes to running backs in general, generally we don't see very many running backs perform after the age of like, you know, 29, 30. And so that would make Mark Ingram really, he's sort of like a uh, an anomaly, just like Frank Gord's an anomaly, just like Adrian Peterson is an anomaly. All three of those dudes at this point are, are, are anomalies. And so I don't, I hate predicting the fall off of, of a person's career, right? I don't want to predict that because I don't I don't know, first of all. Second of all, I don't I don't wish this on on any running back. But essentially what you find with running backs is that there's a sharp fall off. You see them sort of dip and then they are just gone if they last, you know, past the age of twenty eight. And what we've seen with Mark Ingram is that he actually really wasn't that um, you know, dominant necessarily. I think he was a product of that offense. Um, that, that's not to say that he's not talented, but I think that, that the, the offense in the system really, really contributed to, to marking of efficiency. And so when you think about that, I think that athletically, you know, he's got to be on the decline and that's not an insult when you're 30 years old in the NFL right. still playing. Right. And then he had that, that injury to the, to the calf, which is dangerously close mm -hmm. to the Achilles tendon. Oh, yep. Mm -hmm. So you have all these factors that you add up. And you look at somebody like David Johnson, who I am also a little down on David Johnson because because this has to be consistent. Um, since we see that 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 sharp fall off, and this is a work by Adam Harstad that did really good work on this. You see the sharp fall off, and then you very very rarely, if ever, see them bounce back from it. And I'm curious to see since Dobbins is there, since that offense is still progressing, since Mark Ingram is obviously not the future. If eventually you just see him phased out of the game, and he's more of an ancillary piece and becomes more of a mentor type of thing to Dobbins and Dobbins breaks out a lot faster than we anticipated generally. 
And I, I think that's very much a possibility. So I really like that, that JK Dobbins take. Right. No, thanks. I appreciate it. Yeah, no, I, he's a, he's a really interesting, interesting back. Like I, I, I just think, you know, with that situation, you know, all three of those guys, I mean, Dobbins, Taylor, and Edwards Hilaire, I mean, those are all situations that could lead them to being, you know, top, top flight backs in the NFL in terms of production. So, I mean, we're, we're, we're going to see hopefully pretty soon. Um, but yeah, it's it's interesting to me what what's going on there. So, last question. Well, second to last question. Who's your Super Bowl pick and why? Super Bowl pick. Oh man, I, I have actually the same, um, the same matchup: Casey over Sam Fran. Um, what's the score? Final score. Oh man, I think I think we're gonna get another thirty to twenty-seven. Casey. Ooh, that'd be a good one. I think it's, I, I think it, you know I think I mean last year was a great one right so I mean I don't know man the, my dark horse is, is the Cowboys not really dark horse but kind of because they haven't made it that far in a long time um, <laughs> or even close since they've got all the talent in the world right I mean days. yeah no they I mean gosh I mean that offense is is set to just take off I mean you know <laughs> Prescott Elliott. You know, you then you have you have the receivers Cooper, you have Gallup, you have Lamb, and then you have Jarwin, who's going to be interesting this year, I think, as well. But then you also have Tony Pollard, who, in his own right, extremely talented player. Yeah. Um. But man, it's insane. That, it's it is you know if if that defense can play league average defense, that team could be extremely dangerous come playoff time if all those guys are healthy. And you know, Dak has another. Dak has another year, and you know, I mean, for crying out loud, that that team could be that team could be one to beat come playoff time, and that'd be that'd be exciting to watch. I'm gonna get all the shares of that offense that I possibly can. By the way, that, that's gonna be oh, yeah, yeah. That's Honestly, I, I hope that the, you just hope that they utilize the players to the best of their abilities, and they don't tr- cap it and try to like establish the run you know type offense mind style because they do not need to do that they shouldn't do that with all the talent that they have um so that's good okay so you got you got the chiefs over the 49ers again last thing before i let you go i mean there's been quite a few even since last time we talked a lot of stuff has gone on in the world um a lot of things on uh, i'm sure you saw what was going on uh, a couple days ago on uh fantasy football twitter um, with uh, he who will not be named, maybe you haven't. You can go check it out. Sure. But with all the things going on, what's one band aid of advice for the? Maybe it could be the fantasy football community, or it can be just in general. One band aid of advice that you'd give to the listeners. Man, I mean, I think the biggest thing that we all have to do with it during this time is just be kind to another one. Be kind to one another. You know, I mean, I think there's so much going on in today's world um, that that makes you. You know, it makes you shake your head. You know, it makes you sad. There's so many things out there that are going on right now that are that are just tough to deal with. But my biggest piece of advice, man, is just be kind to one another. You know, lift each other up. Um, and if you do see someone doing something improper, don't be afraid to call them out. You know, don't be afraid to to hold people accountable to a high standard. I think that's that's a tough thing to do in today's society in today's society, but we have to hold people to a higher standard, um, you know, of treating people. And that, that's a big deal for me is, you know, you always want to make sure that you're doing that and doing the most you can as a human being to uplift and to bring others with you. Um, 
you know, I always, you know, I always say like, you know, build a longer table, not a bigger bridge, man. Like, like have, have more seats at the table, bring more people in for conversations. Um, but also don't be afraid to call people out and hold people accountable. Um, I think that's a big, big deal in today's society, man. I mean, um, it, it's some of the things that we've seen in, in, you know, I guess the last few days have been extremely tough to see um, for everybody. But I think in general, we have to do a much better job of, of being kind to one another and, and, and understanding that no, no one like deserves to be mistreated or, or, or talked down to because we're all the same, you know, we're all human. So we're all, we're all on one level playing field regardless of race, gender, religion, sexual orientation. Um, but that's a big deal to me is just, just, you know, keep building a longer table, man. just invite people to have conversations with you, be kind to them and uh, just treat people well. I love that, man. That's, that's great. I, I really like the, the part about inclusion and understanding that, you know, not everybody gets, uh, an equal, we're all equal, but no, not everybody gets an equal shot or an equal leg up, I guess, for lack of a better phrase. And so understanding that we're all coming from different places and being understanding and empathetic of each other and treating each other well um, and with kindness is where we should go. I love that, man. Appreciate it. Anytime, brother. Thank you. Yeah, of course. Thanks again for coming on, man. This was, again, this was super fun to do. Uh, do again. We did it again. Uh, make sure you catch at Angelo underscore fantasy on Twitter. Go to his site, angeloanalysis.com for the, in my opinion, the best science-based, evidence-based uh uh, film analysis and and football. Just if you're just a football junkie, go to his site because you'll you'll love it and you'll just spend hours scrolling and scrolling. Uh, the man does does a great job. So for Angelo, for me, your host. That is it. Thanks for listening. We will catch you next time. <laughs>